The story we're about to hear is the story of Nicodemus, who comes to visit Jesus under cover of darkness late one night to ask Jesus some very important questions. Nick at night, some have called him. He's a Pharisee, a leader in the temple, learned and privileged. He seems to have it all going on. He is a rule follower, probably groomed from birth to study and follow the Torah. He's the, he's the one that people go to for answers, not the other way around. And so he was going about his scheduled, predictable life. And yet I think Nick at night gets a bad rap. I think somewhere inside, Nick is also a seeker. Maybe he has some deep questions of his own. I think Nick is a seeker after truth, someone who wonders whether life holds something more than he's been able to grasp with his studies and his learning and his privilege. And so when he hears about this itinerant preacher, Jesus, and all of the wondrous things he has been doing, Nick's curiosity is piqued. He wonders if there just might be something more for him to learn and experience. And so he sneaks out one night, so no one will see him, to discover whether Jesus might enlighten him. A reading from the Gospel of John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do, you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Let us pray. We have come, O oh God, out of the relentless noisiness and busyness of life to hear a word of hope. We come because in so many ways over the years you have come to us. In the beauty of the world, in the gifts of music and art, and in the love of others, strangers and loved ones alike. So make us curious, O oh God. Speak the words you have for us today. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It happened to me for the first time on my 13th birth birthday. I was away at summer camp, the same sacred space I had spent the month of August for most of my childhood. Camp Kichikawana in northern Ontario. A few of us snuck out of our cabin late at night, just like Nicodemus, to lay out under the stars on a large outcropping of rock. It was August, meteor season time, and it wasn't long. We didn't have to lay there long before the show began. I remember clearly feeling this overwhelming emotion and realization that, that the world was so very vast and I was so small. And alongside that emotion was an equally clear feeling that I, laying there on the rock, was somehow a part of the whole. Later that night, we began to see green fingers of light arising from the horizon on the other side of the bay. We got to witness the northern lights for the first time. I felt like God was putting on a show just for me. She's such a show off. I did not yet have the words to describe what I was feeling at the time, but I now know it was a kind of awe. And it began me on a lifelong curiosity, a sense of wonder about the world and my own place in it. Since this week's installment of our sermon series is Blessed Are the Curious, I've been thinking a lot about awe and wonder this week. And I was driving home from church a few weeks ago, and I heard this author on the NPR uh, radio show, Hidden Brain. His name was Dr. Keltner, and he has written a book on awe and how the science of everyday wonder can transform our lives. He defines awe as the feeling of being in the presence of something vast. 
that transcends our understanding of the world and may even challenge us to rethink our previously held ideas. He shares his research on how the feeling of awe is critical to our well-being. It's like joy or contentment or love. It's critical to us. Awe, it, it turns us outward, and it gets us out of ourselves. And he says it's something that we can cultivate in our everyday lives. He says, yes, awe can arise during extraordinary events, like seeing the Grand Canyon, or witnessing a child's birth, or seeing Bruce Springsteen. But more frequently, he found, people report feeling awe in response to mundane things. Seeing the leaves change on an October day, or watching a child laugh a great belly laugh, or seeing a stranger give their food to a homeless person. In fact, he said that one of the most predictable ways that people reported experiencing awe was through the simple act of witnessing the good of others. Now, distractions and self-preoccupations can prevent us from feeling awe, but he has found that, when we, that we can cultivate awe by paying attention and cultivating a curiosity and a wonder about the world around us and the beauty and meaning we might find in it. But it turns out that we can only experience awe when we open ourselves to it. There's this great story that goes like this. Once upon a time, a woman set out to discover the meaning of life. She began by reading everything she could get her hands on. History, philosophy, psychology, religion, math, self-help, you name, name it. She read it. In doing so, she became a very smart person. But nothing she read gave her the answer she was looking for. So frustrated, the woman finally put all her belongings in storage, and she went off in search of the meaning of life. She went to South America. She went to India. She went to New Zealand. Everywhere she went, people told her that they did not know the meaning of life, but they had heard about a man who did. Only no one was quite sure where he lived. She asked about this man in every country on earth until finally deep in the Himalayas, someone told her how to reach his house. Of course, it was a tiny little hut perched on the side of a mountain just below the tree line, so she climbed and climbed to reach his front door. When she got there with her knees scraped and her knuckles cold, she knocked. Yes, said the kind man who opened it. She thought she would die of happiness. Sir, I have come literally around the world to ask you just one question. What is the meaning of life? The old man smiled. And with a hand outstretched, he said, please come in and have some tea. 
No, the woman said, completely caught off guard. I mean, no thank you. I didn't come all this way just for tea. I came for an answer. We shall have tea, the man said. So she came inside, and while he was brewing the tea, her, she, she didn't hasten a moment to tell the man all about all the books that she had read and all the people she had met and all the places she had been. The old man listened, which was just as well, since his visitor did not leave any room for him to talk. And as she talked, he placed a fragile teacup in her hand. And then he began to pour the tea. She was so busy talking that she didn't notice that the teacup was full. So the old man just kept pouring until the tea ran over the sides of the teacup. What are you doing, she yelled. It's full, can't you see? Stop, there's no more room. Just so, the old man said to her. You come here wanting something from me, but what am I to do? There is no more room in your cup. Come back when it is empty, and then we will talk. With our hands full, our minds stuffed, our calendars packed, our opinions firm, we go out into the world searching for meaning, do we not? For some of us, the thing we seek might be the right answers, the sharpest apologetic for the way of life to which we intensely cling. For others, we're on a quest for the one thing, the one relationship, the one job, the one salary, the one skill or adventure, the one look, the one status, the one thing that will be for us the silver bullet to make life all fall into place and make sense. We forget to be open and curious Anyone who has been around a young child for very long knows how naturally curious they are, how open they are to new experiences. When did we become so set in our ways? So enter Nick at night, Nicodemus to be the straight man to allow Jesus to deliver some of the best known and sometimes most misunderstood bits of dialogue in scripture. You know, I think one of the most terrifying questions for a congregationalist, uh, for me anyway, is, were you born again? I mean, define your terms, right? Who knows what was stirring in Nicodemus's heart that night? What prompted him to slip away to ask the questions he wouldn't dare to allow to see the light of day. To the one he wouldn't, be dare, wouldn't dare be caught talking to. We don't know if Nicodemus was facing a health crisis or a relationship crisis. Maybe he was dealing with the loss of a loved one. Or maybe he was just bored and, and depressed. And he couldn't seem to shake it. Maybe he was frustrated by the systems that kept giving more to the wealthy while 
taking more from the wanting. Whatever nudged him toward Jesus, my guess is that he had the sense to know that his knowledge was incomplete, that there was something in his life that was missing. And he perhaps became curious and began to wonder, as you do, as I do, at 3 a.m. in the morning. Maybe his teacup was not quite full. Jesus' instruction to him that to enter the kingdom of God, you must first be born from above, was met with immediate questions. How can an old person be born again? What, do you have to re-enter your mother's womb and do it all over again? How can this be? It turns out Nick also doesn't know a good metaphor when he stubs his toe on it. To Nicodemus and all the exacting, rule-following folks who will put God and all the world in a box for generations to come, Jesus had proclaimed a message to him of awe, of more, of beyond, of expansion, and of abundance, of becoming new. Jesus tells Nicodemus, for God so loved the world, not the whole world, the whole world he loved, not just Nicodemus's small corner of it, not just his nation, his tribe, his narrow understanding. God so loved the whole world that out of this abundance and overflow of love, God gave God's son, who did not come to condemn the world or anyone in it, but so all might have a sense of wholeness and well-being and understanding through him. It's enough to produce some sense of awe and wonder, I think. To be born anew or from above, I think Jesus was saying, is to become curious with your teacup yet not yet full of certainties. To be curious and wonder what more God has to teach you, where Christ might be leading you. It is to turn outward toward this terrible, beautiful world that God made and to continue to grow and trust in its goodness. Maybe what Jesus dare to Nicodemus was, was to turn your cup upside down, open your mind, step into the unknown, trust and believe, be born anew and live, live abundantly. Perhaps our curious friend Nick was not able to comp comprehend fully that night. But you know, that's okay. I think that's what it means to be curious and wonder late at night, as some of us do. We do know, according to John, that Nicodemus, the one who was curious about this Jesus, who was also the one who showed up at the cross at his death in the brilliant light of day to make to take Jesus down from the cross. 
and anoint him with 100 pounds of oil to prepare his body for the tomb. I like to think that Nick continued to be curious and wonder after his encounter with Jesus. I like to think that Jesus had planted seeds in his heart. And at the end of the day, I like to think that Nicodemus had a full teacup of abundant life, and he was, al he was as alive as he'd never been before. Amen. <laughs>